Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Good evening, friends. I, I know I say this all the time. I really want God's breakthrough in your lives. I, I want the, that, uh, the harassment, whatever's going on in your life, whatever awful, challenging situations you find yourself, I want breakthrough for you. And, and even this week, I'm going to start on Wednesday fasting and praying to see more breakthroughs in, in, in our lives, in the lives here as we, as we pray, seeing breakthroughs for, for us. I care so much. And so I, I do not take this lightly, this blessing moment. I'm so passionate about this. In fact, I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully tonight. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit tonight. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need tonight, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace. Whatever's going on. I bless you that in the name of Jesus, may it be. All right. Tonight we are going to talk about Abraham and we're going to talk about faith. This is what we read in Hebrews chapter 11. It is impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. Romans 3. We are made right with God by... Placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Today's topic is right at the heart of what's most important when it comes to you and God. When it comes to your future with God in this lifetime, and with your future with God in the life, life to come. Faith in Jesus is how we're forgiven and saved, but also faith in Jesus is also how you make God, or you cultivate a relationship where God is happy or pleased with you. And, and that is what you want. You want God to be pleased or happy with you. It's when he's happy is when he's pleased with us. That's generally speaking when God's favor is flowing, when his blessing is, is flowing in our lives. And, and that's, that's what I want for you. I want God's favor and goodness just flowing because he's pleased and he's happy with you. So we're going to talk about faith today. If you're new here or you're visiting, we're in a series, I mean, about God primarily, but we're in a series of uh, learning about God as we look at the life of Abraham. So, for instance, last week we were in chapter 14 of the book of Genesis, and we were talking about the story where Abraham goes and he is victorious over the king of Persia and Babylon and two other uh, empire or nations or kings from far away. 
And, and as unlikely it is, he rescues his nephew Lot, but he returns victorious. And then he comes back, and he is blessed by Melchizedek, the, the priest of God Most High, who's the king of Jerusalem. And, and so he gets that blessing. Now, we didn't really talk about it much, but at the very end, we did read it. At the very end of chapter 14, we see how, um, we, we see how the king of, Sa- uh, of Sodom comes to Abraham and says, hey, you can keep all the stuff, but just give me the people back. And Abraham's like, well, this is the Brian paraphrase version. No, 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 no. Uh, no, I, I want my testimony to be God has, is with me, that God has rescued me, that God has helped me, that God has provided for me, that I'm wealthy because God has blessed me. I, I don't want you to say that you made me wealthy. Right? So we, we, we had that situation, and, and that's kind of where we wrapped up last week. This week we pick up just the very next verse, chapter 15, verse 1, and this is what we read. Sometime later, Yahweh, the Lord, spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. I mean, what, what a great thing to hear from God, right? Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. I would love to preach that as God's word to you today. The, the only thing is, is that it's actually not to you, it's to somebody he's actually named there, right? It's, it's to Abram, to Abram, to Abraham, right? Not, not to you. That said, though, there's some things in that verse that are very applicable to you. There is a call to you, those first words, to not be afraid. Whatever your challenges, whatever your situation, whatever's going on in our world today, whatever's going on in your life today, there's a lot of things and a lot of challenges. But all through the Bible, you are called to not be afraid because you trust God. To trust God with your circumstances and challenges. You're called to not be afraid. And then there's that, there's that bit in the middle there about I will protect you. That's a promise of God to, to Abram. We can see in the New Testament that God is able to protect but also he, he permits suffering and, and difficult times in our lives. Probably the most acute example of that is in, is in chapter 12 of the book of Acts. Where verse 1, James, the apostle James, the amazing apostle James is beheaded by Herod. And then in the next verses, Peter is arrested in order to be beheaded. But an angel busts him out and he escapes and he's not beheaded. So you've got God able to protect. He does release Peter from prison and beheading, but he doesn't do that for James. That's in our theology of God as protector. He is able. He is able. And and yet, this same Peter who writes about this, having experienced his lifelong friend James being beheaded and the grief of that, he writes this. He says in, in 1 Peter 3, he says, but even if you suffer... I don't think he has James in mind, by the way. I'm not, I'm not trying to put that together. But just the experience that he's had in life and, and just seeing, seeing life in New Testament life. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. You, you, have this, you have this, don't be afraid, but you also have this reward theology. So the first bit is an always thing for us, don't be afraid. Don't let yourself be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then there's a sense that no matter what happens, protected or not in your, mom, in your moment-by-moment trials and challenges, there is a reward. 
God is a rewarder if we trust him, whether he rescues us or whether he doesn't. That, that's that's kind of how, how that works there. I place my hope for my situations. I just place it on the goodness of God, on the awareness and the alertness of God to, to me and what's going on in my life. My hope is that he can. My faith, my faith is in God. Whatever happens, my faith is in God and God's promises to me. My faith is in God and God's promises to me, no matter what's going on. God has given me promises in his word. God has given you promises, promises in, in the Bible. He's also given me some promises uh, just directly to my life. And what I've, what I've discovered is so many of the promises that God gives us, maybe you're like, oh, I feel like God said that if I trust him, then this is going to happen. So many of the, the promises that God gives maybe to you directly are probably mostly, 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 I want to say always, but I won't, mostly, 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 conditional promises. There is a condition. If you trust God and you take this faith step, then God will reward you in this way. Or if you forgive, those, if you obey God, if you say no to this, and if you, there's a condition. If you do this, then I will reward you or I will do this for you. Conditional promises. Most of God's promises to us that you're experiencing when you hear from God maybe is it requires a faith response, a faith response to God. I've seen people confused about this, and they hear a promise from God, and they hold on to it, and they're not aware that it comes with a condition. I've been trained to, when I hear a promise from God, to seek God. God, okay, what are the conditions for me to receive this? Or what are the conditions for this to happen in my life? Sometimes it's not on first presentation. You have to be like, God, okay, in order for this promise to unfold, what is it that I, what obedience steps or what, what is it that you're asking me to do? Usually there's condition, not, not always. Anyways, that's free and, and we're not going there. Um, we're only in verse one, friends. Let, let me, let's, keep, let's keep going. So um, he gets this promise and this, to him specifically, and then this is what we read in verse two. But Abram replied, O sovereign Yahweh, or O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son, since you've given me no children? Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then Yahweh said to him, then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then, Yahweh, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed Yahweh. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. This is the most pure, the most simple definition of faith. I'm going to say it all the time throughout the years. Here's the definition of faith. Faith is believing. You've heard it. You're going to hear it again. Faith 
is believing. We'll talk about this more in a few moments, but, but the, this is the most pure definition of faith. Abram believed, and so he, it was counted as righteous to him because of, because of his faith, because of his believing. This is what makes God happiest, most pleased. This is what pleases God, faith. When people hear the promise of God to them, and they believe it. They just believe it. God says, I am forgiven. You, maybe if you're, in, if you're in Christ, if you if you become a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, God says to you, you are forgiven. Are you confident in that? Are you certain of that? Or are you like, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. I, I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I feel like a failure. I feel like I don't deserve to be forgiven. Of course you don't. That's not about deserve. Like, like you, 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 there's this wrestling. The, the Bible says because of Jesus, not because of me, because of Jesus, not because of what I do or no, because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says because of Jesus, there is now no condemnation. There's n- absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are believers in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Faith is believing. Believing. I've given my life to Jesus, therefore I believe. I am forgiven. And I am giving doubt no place in my heart about that topic. The Bible is as clear as possible. Faith is believing. I have conversations with people all the time. Brian, how can I be certain I'm saved? I, I'm not sure. I worry about that. How, how can I be certain? I, I, I struggle with some doubt there. Friends, faith is believing. Believing. Doubt is not believing. Doubt is not believing. Jesus says to Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 27, stop doubting and believe. That's just, Jesus, this is, it's this simple, Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. And he has that choice in that moment. I was like, okay. Some people are like, how can I know that Jesus is real? Well, the Bible says so. Nothing in history or archaeology or anything like that disproves uh, any of that sort of thing. That God says Jesus is real and by believing him, I can be saved and have life in the name of Jesus. Faith is believing Faith is believing. I believe in Jesus. I do. I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. I have no doubt about it in my mind. I believe that Jesus is the King of kings. I believe he is my king. I believe he is the living one. I believe he's alive today, and I believe he's returning soon. I trust God's word on this. I believe God's word on this. I have faith in God's word on this one. And so I just rebuke any doubt. The enemy will want to try and get some hesitancy in there and I just say, no, no, doubt, get away from me in the name of Jesus. Faith is believing. I have set my life to believe in Jesus and believe God's word. Faith is believing. Continuing on, so Abram believed the Lord, verse seven, Then the Lord told him, I am Yahweh. 
I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Yahweh, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure? O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Faith is believing. How can I be sure? It's okay to ask this question. It's okay to ask this question. It's not okay to have doubt, but it's okay to ask this question. For example, Mary, as in Mary, the mother of Jesus, you've probably heard of her. Uh, she's kind of a big deal. In Luke chapter 1, she is going to hear from an angel that she's going to have a baby, and she says, how? How can this be? She asks the questions. She hears the response. She, she believes what, what she's been told, and, and, and that's great. In the same chapter, just a few paragraphs earlier, an angel goes to Zechariah, a priest in the temple. He says that he and his wife are going to have a baby, and Zechariah says the same words that Abraham does here. He says, how can I be sure? Same words, different heart. How can I be sure? That this will happen. It's okay to ask the question, but there's a difference between Abraham and Zechariah, even though there's the same words. There's a difference between Mary and Zechariah, even though they're asking a very, basically the same question. And the question is what's going on in their heart. And the Bible tells us what are their words, but also what's going on in the heart. We know in Mary's heart, she's blessed because she believed. And we hear that from Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, later. We know that Abram believed the Lord. In, in this moment, and we know that Zechariah did not believe, that he doubted. The angel tells us what was going on in, in his heart. So there's, there's a question, but what, what, what really is important is what is going on inside when we're asking the question. It is totally okay to ask the question, God, how can I be sure? And that can be about surety and, 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 and clarity and confirmation. I, I, I spend so much time on this. God, grant me clarity on this. Grant me cer uh, uh, not certainty, confirmation on this. That's my, welcome to my life, welcome to my journal, right? Th that's good, that's fine. The danger is not in asking how can I be sure, but it's starting with a heart of doubt, of skepticism, of skepticism, which are both words for unbelief, by the way. Those are both words for unbelief. If you hear something from God someday, and your first response is, sounds nice, it'd be great if it happens, but I will believe it when I see it, that's doubt. I, you're saying, I won't believe it until I, I will doubt. And, I mean, I would like it to be, but that is a, that is a Zachariah response. I will believe it when I see it, or I, I will need to be persuaded more, because I'm not starting from a place of, of really believing this. Our generation, our generation, how cute am I, right? <laughs> the generations alive right now, all the generations, are packed with Zachariah Christians. They're packed with them. And, and again, it's the story, same story that I see over and over again. So a random person, a random Christian person, they hear this promise from God. They feel like God has told them this about their life and their future. And it comes with conditions. 
and yet they don't take the faith step. They don't, they don't trust God in that moment, but, but, but they don't really take that side seriously, and they find themselves all upset about God, at God later because he doesn't do what they felt like God had said he was going to do for them. And they downplay the fact that they didn't do the if bit. If you do this, then I will do this. And then you have this, the enemy, the liar, the twister of, of truth and, and circumstances. And the enemy starts speaking into their ear. Remember that time where God promised you this and it didn't happen? Completely ignoring the fact that you didn't do your bit that God asked you to do for you to receive that. Forgetting that. Remember that time that, that God didn't give that, fulfill that promise to you? God, says the enemy, can't be trusted. He can't be trusted to keep any of his promises. You should probably guard your heart. Another phrase for unbelief. You should maybe hear from God, stick it on the shelf. And if it happens, cool. But you shouldn't believe any of God's promises, at least because remember that time where it, what he said you didn't happen. Because you didn't do your, your bit. I mean, yep. I hear this all the time. People saying, like, I just, I just need to protect my heart. I don't want to get my hopes up. Why? Faith is believing. Get your hopes up. That's believing. Believing, you feel believing. I, be, I believe, I believe. And you get, you get your hopes up. And, and, and you, that is supposed to motivate our obedience and our courage. God, what, what, is, what is required? What is required of, of, of this? Yeah. Not getting my hopes up, guarding my heart, that's not believing. Asking how can I be sure is, is a great question. Abram does it. We can't have doubt when we do that. It's just about clarity and confirmation here. How, how, bring me clarity here. How can I be sure? What can I anchor on here? And this is what Abram hears from the Lord. How can I be sure? Verse 9, the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So, Abram presented all these things to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle. Oh, sorry, vegetarian warning here. Sorry, vegans. Okay, so he cut each animal down the middle, laid the half side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure, this is the answer, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction." After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. 
so Yahweh, so the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadamites, uh, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. There's so much we could talk about in this passage that we're just not going to talk about today. We could talk about the, 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 the ceremony, ceremony there of cutting a covenant and, and elsewhere where we see that in the Bible and in the ancient world. We could talk about the fact that um, Abraham is this very real God moment while he is in deep, he's deeply asleep. He's deep asleep. Sometimes we think like, okay, it's not real if it's a dream. Or if it's, unless it's like real, it's not no, this is 100% real. Uh, by the way, same phrase, deep asleep, it's with Adam when he's, deep, uh, when he's in a deep sleep, um, when, when the rib, Eve, I don't want to get into it. Anyways, so uh, we could also just talk about just the 400 years and, and that whole process. We could talk about the smoke and the fire imagery and the deep darkness there, how God conceals in dark, is concealed in darkness. We could talk a lot about the, the Bible imagery and just the amazingness of, of, of God and his re- revelation and different imageries throughout scriptures. But today we're talking about faith and, and faith about believing what God, God says. Abram asked God the question, how can I be sure? And God's response was covenant. I will make a covenant with you. Now, what is a covenant? We talked about this a few weeks ago. I've got a chart here that I showed you a few weeks ago. Different covenants. Usually, uh, basically, a covenant is the tip-top level promise oath vow thing. That's like the vow of vows, right? It's, it's the highest level commitment that, that people can make. We talked about marriage in that a, a, a few um, uh, a few weeks ago there. But most of the, the covenants that God makes with his people in the Bible are unconditional covenants. There's a couple that are conditional. This one with Abram is the second one down on this list. It is an unconditional covenant. And what does that mean? That means that you don't have to do anything to receive this. The question is, by Abram, how can I be sure God's answer, I make an unconditional covenant. You will receive this because it has nothing to do with you or what you do or don't do. It has nothing to do with your descendants, what they do or what they don't do. This will be because I unconditionally covenant, promise, vow, oath that, that this is going to be the case. That's how you can know. Now, friends, let me talk to you who are believers in Jesus for a moment. If you've believed in Jesus, if you are, if you are a believer, you are also in an unconditional covenant, the, the bottom one there, the new covenant. If you are a believer, you, you are in an unconditional covenant with God. It is not like the old covenants. Hebrews 8 says that this new covenant is far better. It's got far better promises. And, and so you, what is this new covenant that all believers with Jesus are in? Well, here's some five new covenant basics for you. This is true for everyone, everyone. Five new covenant basics that we get to celebrate. First of all, anyone can enter into the new covenant with God by believing in Jesus. Door is open to anyone who will believe. You can be the most evil of evil person, the most kind of kind person, persons, 
anyone, any background, any sin, any baggage, whatever. Anyone can enter in the new covenant with God by believing in Jesus. Secondly, everyone in the new covenant is forgiven of everything, past, present, and future, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. There is zero condemnation, right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. It is not a condition. This is unconditional because of Jesus. Thirdly, everyone in the new covenant is given the Holy Spirit forever. Fourthly, everyone in the new covenant has an advocate. Now, I love this one. Everyone in the new covenant has an advocate in heaven championing you in the throne room of God. What a, what a reality. That, that for all believers have an advocate, Jesus, his name is Jesus, championing you and your situation and your, your relationship, whatever is going on, championing you in heaven, in the throne room of God. You have an advocate, his name is Jesus. No matter what you do, new covenant. Fifthly, everyone in the new covenant will enjoy eternal life with God forever and ever and ever and ever. Those are just a few ones to, to, to get you thinking about the, the, the greatness of this new covenant, unconditional new covenant for everyone who believes in Jesus. Maybe you're like, why do we take communion so much? Because that's what we're celebrating, the new covenant. The new covenant, wow. These, these new covenant promises, they make Abraham's promises seem very shallow and pithy. Uh, and, and that's okay. The Bible owns that. Yeah, the new covenant promises are far better. They're far better. But, but you know, the Abraham covenant promises, his unconditional promises look like this. He, he was told by God he'll be protected and rewarded greatly, verse 1. He's told that he will have a son who will be his own heir, verse 4. Abraham is, is promised that he will have an uncountable number of descendants someday. He's told that his descendants will be enslaved in Egypt, but, but leave rescued and rich. Verse 14. His descendants will possess all the land he has been promised. In verse 18, there's, a, there's between Egypt and the Euphrates River and, and the land of all these different nations that are currently there in Abram's day. This is what Abraham has been unconditionally promised by God, and it's going to take some time. God's making these promises, but there's going to be lots and lots of waiting. I mean, just looking at these promises here, the first one, I mean, maybe that, maybe that seemed relatively swiftly in his life, that he's going to be protected and rewarded greatly, great. The next one, about having a son, we're at least a decade away, if not two. He's going to have to wait, like a long time, years, and we're going to watch his journey of waiting, but he's going to have to wait for that to, to come about. The third one, uh, uncountable number of descendants. I don't even know exactly when we attribute that to have happened, to cross the line of uncountable. But it's, it's going to be long after his death. I mean, he's gonna, it's going to be years and years and years in the future. He's going to have to wait way past his death. The fourth one, again, you're talking about 600 years of waiting between the time of the promise and the time of the exodus. Like hundreds, it's over a half a millennia of waiting. And then that last one, 
if you attribute it to being fulfilled in the days of Solomon, which many do, but, but maybe, maybe there's more to come. If you attribute it to the days of Solomon, you're like, okay, it was over a thousand years, 1,100 years from the time of the promise of waiting. Over a millennia of waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. God makes promises. He keeps promises. And yet it can take some time. But faith keeps believing. Faith keeps believing. Now, according to the New Testament, one of the most important things that we are to admire about Abraham and to imitate about Abraham is having a faith, yeah, that really believes what God says and keeps believing. A faith that keeps believing no matter how unlikely things appear to us, no matter how long we need to wait. Listen to what what Romans chapter 4 says about Abraham. And this just captures it. It captures all that I'm trying to encourage in this moment here. Romans chapter 4 says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this, he, is brought, he brought glory to, to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. What is your favorite part of all that paragraph? Is it, is it this idea of he kept hoping when there was no reason for hope? You love that? How, or how about the, the part there about never wavering? I mean, have you ever prayed for something for, for more than five years? Or have you given up by then? Have you ever hoped for something for more than five years, 10 years, 15 years, without wavering, without your, your hopes and expectations sliding down? How about the line there? His faith actually grew stronger the older he got, the longer he waited. Fully convinced. I mean, that's faith. That's faith that keeps believing. It doesn't decline over time. It's, it's, it's set. It's certain because God said it and you, you're believing it. Maybe I should just ask us, what promise of God, promise, what promise of God are you struggling to believe for yourself tonight? Where, where is there doubts that are, that are harassing you? That are bothering you. What, what is it that you're struggling? God's unconditional promises are a hundred percent certain for you. However, your week is gone. However, your month. If you have, if you are a part of Jesus' family, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, as your King, if you're part of God's family, then it is a hundred percent certain 
that you are forgiven. How are you, conf- are you confident on that tonight? You feeling alone or are you confident that you have an advocate constantly living before the throne room in heaven championing your case and your cause and your reality? Are you confident in that? Are you, are you certain that you're saved? Are you certain that, that, that you belong to Jesus? Are you certain that heaven is real and that you are going to be a part of eternity with God if you're part of God's, God's family? Don't let the enemy rob you of your faith. He is going to be lying to you. He's going to try and cultivate doubt. He's going to try and cultivate. From the garden, he's like, did God really say exactly? Trying to get doubt put in there and confusion. Friends, it is this simple. God has made an unconditional covenant through Jesus about these things. Not based on you. You can easily be certain. Faith is believing. Don't let the enemy rob you. The challenge today is this. What promise of God do you need to see your faith grow stronger concerning it? Yeah, that's right. What, 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 what promise? What does faith is believing mean for you in God's promises about salvation and forgiveness? Man, I want to ra- see our generations so dead certain about the new covenant promises of God. Not giving the enemy any, any space for doubt and belief. In fact, let me pray for us on that, on that very thing. God Almighty, O Sovereign Lord, says Abraham. Father, be generous with your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of God, come and cultivate, cultivate faith in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and do a work of faith in this room. In, in every heart and mind. Faith for our circumstances. Faith for our, our salvation. Faith for our forgiveness. Cultivate faith that you see and you know and you care and you're advocating for us, Jesus. Cultivate faith in this room. Every work of the enemy of lying and doubt, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and I say, stop in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. We are a people who choose to believe God and to, and to trust in Him. Now maybe you're here and you're like, wow, I love those promises, but I, I know I haven't belie- given my life to believe in Jesus. Okay, then I would suggest praying something like this. God, I, I, I want to be a part of this new covenant, this unconditional new covenant in Jesus. And so... I now dedicate my life to serving and believing and following Jesus, the King of Kings. My life from now on out will be about Jesus, the King. Forgive me. Fill me with your Spirit and lead me in your way. I bless all your faith to grow and thrive and flourish in this generation these days. In Jesus' name, amen.